Hi, my name is Jonathan McMeans. I'm one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church. I wanted to let you know that it is our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do this is by posting weekly content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We have a podcast. And I wanted to let you know if this is the first time that you found us, we would love to know that you were here. You could let us know by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out our digital connect card. Again, I'm so glad that you found us and God bless. If you have a Bible with you today, I'm going to invite you to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so if you have a paper Bible or one electronically, uh, you can turn that on. The paper Bible open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so we have some of the words on the screen uh, for you. If you're new with us or maybe you don't own a Bible, that's for you. Uh, if you've got a Bible at home, I'm going to encourage you next week to bring it uh, and to have that maybe app open uh, so you can see where I am in the text always. And so that's part of just being a, a good listener. Uh, and that's also learning to read your Bibles well is to have that open as we go uh, through it. We've been moving through the uh, book, the letter of 1 Corinthians, just kind of line by line, chapter by chapter. So we're in chapter 13 this morning, and I'm going to invite you to stand if you don't mind. Uh, if you're able, let's stand to read the Word of God together as we honor Him in the reading of His Word. I'm going to pick up in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Verse 3, he says, if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Notice in verses 4 through 6, he says, love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for speaking in tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. For if we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three but the greatest of these is love. Father, I thank you today for all the men and women and teenagers and boys and girls that are in this room. Father, thank you for those that are, are worshiping online with us as well this morning. I thank you that every person is made in your image. Every person is loved and created by you. Father, I think of that John three sixteen love this morning. For God so loved us, the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, as many of us know that type of love, I pray today that we're going to learn to express it. And Father, I pray for those that may not know that type of love. 
that today they'll know the love that God has for them in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, as we have opened your word, I pray that you open our hearts, our minds to understand it. Father, I desperately need the Holy Spirit to help me be able to preach uh, from your word. And so, Lord, we ask for his help in preaching, in listening, in hearing, and applying, and living. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Someone has said this to you recently, or you have probably heard this recently from a, a, a news source or somewhere else. You don't love me because you disagree with me. You don't love me because you don't think like I think. You don't love me because you don't agree with an action that I took. See, if you stop and think about those three statements, those three statements dominate our culture right now. You don't love me because of what I did. You don't love me because we don't agree on all the same things. You don't love me because I, you think differently than I think. And see, that's our culture, but that idea is starting to seep within our churches. There's not a whole lot of difference between the culture and Christians today when it comes with a definition and understanding and a practice of love. See, if we kind of went back and reviewed all the problems of the church of Corinth that Paul has been highlighting, there's obviously been a lot of divisions over a lot of different things. But really, if you boil it down, the fundamental problem of the church of Corinth is a love problem. They've lost their love of the Lord. And they've lost their love of each other. And so Paul's writing this chapter that's known as the love chapter, right? Where have you heard chapter 13 often? Weddings, right? You know, you, you hear verses 4 through 6 at weddings, and maybe that was read at your wedding. Uh, I've read them at weddings, and nothing wrong with chapter 13 and re being done at a wedding because that kind of love we're going to talk about ought to extend in our marriages, that type of love ought to extend to our friendships and our, our families, right? So this love that he's going over, yes, that extends out. But if you think about chapter 13, it, it's kind of weird at first where it's placed because what Paul's been doing is they had this argument and division over the Lord's Supper in chapter 11 where the rich people were eating all the food before the poor people showed up. And so the poor people were resenting the rich people, and the rich people in the church were like, we don't want the poor people here, right? So they had that kind of division. Then chapter 12, he goes over spiritual gifts. And the Apostle Paul says, you know, it's the Holy Spirit uh, that gives us spiritual gifts, and he empowers those gifts to be used to encourage others in their faith, and that's why we have spiritual gifts. Now, next week, we're going to start chapter 14. We're going to spend two weeks there, and Paul's going to go back to spiritual gifts, specifically talking and speaking in tongues, and he's going to go, look, you guys are all out of order on this, and this is causing division. And right there between chapter 12 and chapter 14 in the spiritual gift discussion, you have a whole chapter about love. You're thinking, Paul, what are you? What are you doing? Are you kind of squirrel here? Right? You know, has Paul got a little lady D as he's writing in? Is he like, hey, let's talk about spiritual gifts? All right, love. And then back to spiritual gifts. What's happening? See, actually, what Paul's doing fits really beautifully because what Paul's writing is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Paul's saying, hey, local church, Christians, as you use your spiritual gifts to encourage and build up the faith in others, don't forget about 
love. The way you treat each other as believers in Jesus Christ is really important within the context of what we do as Christians and as a church. So I want to this morning just do this. I want to return us back to a biblical definition of what love looks like and how it operates. So I'm going to give you three words this morning to remember as we move through chapter 13. So you may want to write this down. The first word is this, is expressive. All right, so love is expressive. All right, so to have love for others that Paul's defining for us is that kind of love is expressive. Let's pick up back in verse 1. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, have all faith, so to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I want you to remember that love is expressive. And Paul's saying this, that if you say, I'm going to go out and share the gospel with people, I'm going to go preach the gospel, but if I don't love them, then I'm just making noise. It says in verse 2, you can have all the wisdom of the Bible, I sat in a life group this morning. We went over 1 Kings 15, and I mean, they did a great job with it. There was a lot of wisdom in that room that I was in this morning. You have all the wisdom of the Bible. You can have all the Bible studies you sit through. But if you don't have love, Paul says, you're nothing. It says in verse 3, man, you give all the possessions you have to the mission house. Right? You give everything to the kingdom of God. You give away everything you own. But if you don't have love, you gain nothing. See, love is expressive. And to do all the work of ministry minus love, Paul's saying it's useless. So you can use all your spiritual gifts all day long, but if you lack love for that other person, Paul's saying it's of no value. Pastor Matt read it earlier. I love John chapter 13, because in John chapter 13, you have the disciples getting together to, you know, for a meal, and they show up, and in that day and culture, obviously, you know, they don't, they don't have the Nike tennis shoes on, they've got the sandals, they've been walking through the dirty streets, been walking through the mud, they probably stepped in some manure along the way, thank you, that was for the kids in the room, just wanted to get them involved, right, okay, and then when they would come in, someone would wash their feet. But as they're sitting at the table, not in chairs like we do, sitting kind of on the ground, and you got that other person's feet closer to you than what you want, right? Those feet are dirty. Those feet are disgusting. And Jesus comes up, puts on the servant towel, and starts washing their feet. And what I love about that story is we often overlook one person that Jesus washed the feet of. He washed the feet of Judas, fully knowing what Judas was going to do. Because after he gets done washing their feet, he says, hey, one of you are going to betray me. (laughs) And then he goes on and he says this in John chapter 13 and 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you 
You are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You can have all of the theology right of the Bible, but minus love, Paul's saying it makes no sense. See, loving people is the distinguishing marker of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, so love, it's expressive. But I want you to notice the second word is this, essential. Right? So love expresses itself, but then love is essential. Notice that Paul says this in verses 4 through 6, and he's going to give you 15 different ways that love operates, all right? And we're going to just kind of read it, and then we're going to take them one by one, all right? First, he says love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. does not insist in its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, love is essential because of the way it expresses itself. You know, you've probably had this in your life. You've had someone along the way go, I love you, and I love you, I love you. And every time you heard that person go, I love you, in your mind you're thinking, you sure don't ever show it. You say it, but you don't show it. And it's one thing to say I love you. It's another thing to show it. And that's what Paul's getting at is love expresses itself in action. And so he gives you 15 different ways that love works. And you can follow along with me. I, I kind of wrote down a sentence for each one. And I'm going to go over these kind of quickly. You're going to get them pretty easily. But let, let's just go back through the list. Number one, he says love is patient. That means this. Love is patient. It, it doesn't strike back. Love is kind. It practices generosity even to those you don't like. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Love is envy, does not envy. Love's not jealous. Love does not boast. It does not parade itself uh, around in a boastful way. Love is not arrogant. I, I love the way someone once put this. Arrogant, arrogance is big-headed. Love is big-hearted. Right? Arrogance is big-headed. Love is big-hearted. Love is not rude. And so love does not behave rudely. Love does not behave rudely in private. Love does not behave rudely in public. So that means public is what you post on Facebook. It's how you comment with people as you're talking. Love behaving rudely is if you go out to lunch here in a few moments, you're not rude to the wait staff. No matter how slow they are in getting your food or refilling your Dr. Pepper, you're not rude to that person because love is not rude. And hear me and hear me well. Do not, under any circumstances, pray publicly for your meal, be rude to a wait staff, and stiff them on the tip. Don't do that. Do not, and I'm not kidding on that one, as a former waiter, I can tell you how awful Christians were to me. And I can tell you what damage that does in a restaurant. When you sit there and pray publicly for your meal, 
You are rude to that server, and you tip them poorly. Men and women, we show love by being generous because you don't know what kind of day that person has had. So you step up, and if they hadn't refilled your drink, they got your order wrong, all that, you know what? You show the love of Jesus Christ and say, hey, I don't know what you're going through today, but man, I'm going to tip you well. Because it's not easy waiting on some customers like us. I'll just tell you that. Love doesn't behave rudely. Not online, not in public, not privately. This one's going to sting for some of us. Love doesn't behave rudely at the ball game toward the referee. Oh, I'm sorry. Whoa, that was too far. I know. I'm sorry. that's, That's my bad. I'm sorry. But you know what happens? is if we want to talk to somebody about the love of Jesus Christ, and yet our actions are showing something totally different, it doesn't make sense to people. How can you say you love Jesus, but act that way? How can you tell me to come to know this Savior you said saved you from all your sins, but this is the way you're yelling at the ball game toward a poor referee who's getting paid 50 bucks to be there? Love doesn't insist its own way. That means this, the relationship's not all about you, but but how you can love the other person. Love's not irritable. Love doesn't explode in anger. Love is not resentful. I love the way the NIV, if you've got the NIV out there, I love the way they write this. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. That that means this, if there's been a, a, a disagreement between you and a spouse and you and a friend, Things have been talked through. Things have been forgiven. Uh, Don't bring that back up. Don't fish it out, whether it's a week later or a month later or a year later. It's gone. It's been forgiven. It's been dealt with. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And I know no one is guilty of that one in here, right? But let's make sure we understand this. There's a lot of times when people hear that, they'll say, well, just forgive and forget, right? You forgive and forget. That, that's what the Bible would say, right? Forgive and forget. But you know what? When it comes to what God's Word says about how God forgives us, it says God, you know, throws our sins away. As far as the east is from the west. But God doesn't forget our sins in the sense of, I forgot to take the trash out last night. God doesn't forgive our sins as, man, I forgot to get the oil changed in the car again. You know what God does? He says, Tim, I know you sin again in the same way, and I'm going to still choose to forgive you. You know, Sue, I, I, I know this is like the 50th time, but I'm going to still forgive you. See, it's not forgive and forget in your life. The real biblical way of forgiving is I still remember, but I'm choosing to forgive you. Because for some of you, some people have said some harmful things to you that you can't forget. Some of you have physical scars or emotional scars to what someone has done to you. You can't forget it. That scar reminds you of it. Biblical forgiveness out of love is I still know this happened but I still love you because I'm forgiving you. Love is not resentful. Notice Paul says, number 10, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. This means this, love does not rejoice in sin. 
We have to remember as people right now, there are fundamental truths set down in God's word. And what God says is right is always right. And what God says is wrong is always wrong. And those fundamental truths do not change. Love is saying we hold on to those fundamental truths and we don't rejoice in sin, which is trying to change the fundamental truths of right and wrong in which God has established. Amen? All right, so God, we don't rejoice in wrongdoing. Love rejoices in truth. It finds joy in obeying God. Love bears all things. Love protects. Love believes all things. Love trusts the other person. Love hopes all things. Love refuses to take failure as final. And I, I love the way Paul ends this. Love endures all things. You know, that word endure right there is a, it's a military term. And, and it's a military term in the Greek to means I'm holding the position at all cost. Right? And that's love. It's to say no matter how bad it gets in our relationship, I'm holding the position at all cost. No matter how hard this is in our relationship right now, I'm holding the position at all costs. I'm going to keep loving you well. So love is essential. We all need it, or our, our use of spiritual gifts is of no value. Love is expressive, but I want you to notice what Paul ends up with. Love is eternal. It's eternal. He says this, love never ends in verse 8. And he goes over how some things are going to end prophecies they're going to pass away speaking in tongues they're going to cease as far as knowledge it's going to pass away and and what he says in verse 10 is when the perfect comes so this is jesus the partial is going to pass away and what is he's saying is this love is eternal love is always going to exist but put into the context of spiritual gifts he's saying there's a time and a place where spiritual gifts are no longer needed right? You don't need spiritual gifts in heaven. I'm out of a job in heaven. I don't have a job in heaven. There's often times I, when I'm praying for people that are sick in hospitals or ill, I'm like, you know, and I know that person's a believer in Jesus. I'm like, Lord, thank you that there is coming a day where there are no more hospitals. If you're a doctor in here, I don't mean to offend you. There are no more doctors. <laughs> there are no more nurses. We won't need them, right? No more funeral homes, no more funeral directors. And I even throw myself in there. There's going to come a day where there's no more preachers in heaven. Amen? You amen all the medical part, right? Not just making sure we're all on the same page. Why? Because in heaven, we don't need all those spiritual gifts. We don't need to exercise all those. Because now we see Christ complete. Now we're complete in heaven. And so Paul gives us those two illustrations right there where he says there was once I was a child and then when I became a man, I was complete as a man. I, I put away childish things. And then he gives you that illustration of a mirror. He said, you know, when I used to look in a mirror, I couldn't see myself complete yet. You know, in that day and time, the mirrors they had were not like mirrors like us. They were kind of very dim. It was hard to see in. You know, best illustration I can give you is a picture on your phone. You know, as even as high-tech and awesome as those pictures are on our phones, right, it's still nothing like being face-to-face -to, -face to the person. So Paul says all these things right now we have and spiritual gifts that we're to use to encourage and build up the faith in others, it's all temporary. All those are going to pass away one day. 
But what's going to continue to exist throughout all of eternity in heaven is God's love for you in heaven and your love for him. That always is going to exist. Love is eternal. Love is always present. You know, I, I love what Paul says here, that there is coming a day where we're all going to see God face to face. Verse 12, he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, verse 12, that I shall know fully even as I've been fully known. I said, as we're wrapping this up this morning, I want you to stop and think about this meeting you're going to have with Jesus one day. All of us will see him face to face. And the only way that you get into heaven is if you know him heart to heart. Because one day you'll see him face to face. And Matthew chapter 7 said that there were some people that saw Jesus face to face and he said, hey, listen, I, I didn't know you. I, I didn't know you in a personal way. I know you in a relationship. You have a love for me. He told those people, depart from me into outer darkness. And the Bible says that there is a time where you're going to die and then it's appointed for the judgment. And you're going to stand before Jesus face to face. And if you don't right now know him heart to heart, in that moment in time, he's going to say, listen, I didn't, I didn't know you. you. You didn't give me your life. You didn't give me your heart. You didn't give me your love. Depart from me. You're going to be in hell. And then there's coming a time where we read at the very end of the age that all of hell and those in hell are going to be called up and thrown in the lake of fire. That's where you'll be for all of eternity. But that's not where God wants you. And as I prayed earlier today, that John 3, 16 love, that even though right now you are separated from God in sin, that God says, no, I love you. And I love forgiving your sin more than you love sinning. And I want to forgive you, and I want to know you. That's why I sent my son Jesus to you. So now if you know Jesus heart to heart, when you stand before him face to face, he's going to say, welcome home. Come on in. Welcome home to heaven. And that's the kind of love that right now God has for you. I love the, 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 the verse that is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. See, God loves you in every moment when you don't love him back. God still loves you in every moment when you go away from him. God still loves you in every time you sin against him. Because God loves to forgive you more than you love sinning. And what God says is, listen, I want to know you heart to heart right now today so that when you stand before Jesus face to face, he says, welcome home. Welcome on into heaven. And so I want to just invite you where you are today. There's a, there's a little card out there uh, called the best news card in your seat. And, and maybe you just want to grab that out with me and you can take a look at it. Because there's bad news today, and that bad news is that all of us have not loved God well and right, and that sin has separated us from God. And you see in that good news card you're looking at, it says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we all deserve. But the worst news is this. We can't do anything to remove that sin. There's nothing you and I can do. 
I mean, we could try to love as perfectly as Paul calls us to love, but we're all going to fall short of that. You know, one of the exercises I like to do in verses 4 through 6 is, is take the word love out, and I'll read my name in. And so just take your eyes for a moment. Let's just go back to verses 4 through 6, and, and I'm going to do that exercise with you. And, and, and I'm going to substitute my name for the word love, but you put your name where love is. And listen to how that sounds. Man, Lee is patient and is kind. Lee, Lee doesn't envy or boast. Lee's not arrogant. Lee's not rude. Lee does not insist its own way. Lee is not irritable or resentful. Lee does not rejoice at wrongdoing. But Lee rejoices at truth. Lee bears all things. Lee believes all things. Lee hopes all things. Lee endures all things. You know what I did this week? Get ready for this message was I, I did that exercise in my office just like I did it with you publicly. And I'm going to encourage you to do the same thing more privately. Just wherever you see the word love, put your name in. And I sat down there with my prayer journal and Bible and just read those one by one. And just said, God, would you, would you show me where... Boy, I'm really falling short at some of those. Would you, would you go and just one by one, let's just pray, Holy Spirit, where, where am I missing it? Where am I missing that mark? And I'm going to tell you, that's a painful exercise, but it's a good exercise. You know why it's a good exercise? Because what the Holy Spirit shows us as sin, he always points us to Jesus. And he says, all right, here's where you get that right. Here's where, just like I did, man, I, I can tell you a lot of places I fall short in that list, but I know the one that can forgive us. And that's what that card says there. We, we can't do all this to get rid of our sin. That's the good news at the cross. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And the best news is this. Through faith in Christ, what this card just tells you is you can come to know him heart to heart today. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. If you never today just said, Jesus, I want to know you heart to heart. I want to follow you in my life. I want to be saved and forgiven of my sins. So one day I know I'm going to heaven when I die. And I've got love right now uh, that I can just live for you. I'm going to encourage you today. Say, yes, let's, let's pray. Let's, let's get that right. Let's know him heart to heart. Maybe today you say, look, I, I don't know if I'm saved. I've got questions about that. There's going to be some folks up here in a moment who will pray for you and, and just counsel you on that and, and encourage you. And maybe today it's to say, hey, as a couple, a married couple, look, we, we need to look at that list and where are we falling short as a husband and wife. And it's praying for that marriage. And it's the friendships you got. You need to extend out that love towards somebody else. Maybe there's forgiveness that you need to, you need to extend to somebody for something they said, something they did. But this morning, let's, let's go back to love. Well, remember Paul says it's essential in our walk. It's expressive. We're going to live out verses four through six and just hold in our hearts that eternal love that God has for us in Christ Jesus as his sons and his daughters. I want to thank you for joining us and watching today's message. And I want to just go over a quick story with you that's a really important story in the Bible, and it means a lot to me. It's about a man by the name of Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was a guy who pretty much grew up going to church all his life. And one night he comes to Jesus, and it's late in the evening, and he sits down with Jesus, and he essentially asks him a question. Jesus, how do I go to heaven? How do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus responds in John chapter 3 that you have to be born again. 
Now, Nicodemus asked a very practical question. We all would think, well, how in the world can someone be physically born twice? But Jesus wasn't talking about a second physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth, that you have to be born again. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that without Christ, our spirits are dead. That we're not able to worship God and love God and honor God. But then when we come to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus helps us to be born again. He gives us new birth and our spirits come alive. And so Ephesians chapter 2 again then says, Then by grace you have been saved. It's not a work of yourself. It's the work of Jesus in your life. But listen, that has to be received. You have to receive that gift of grace in your life and believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And simply put it this way, did Jesus do everything he possibly could do to save you on the cross? Or is there something else out there? Is he the only way or are there other ways? You know, the way to be saved is to say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And friend, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus forgives you of all your sin, past, present, and future. And when you die, one day he will take you to be with him in heaven. And so when you think about the wonderful promises of Jesus, I want to encourage you today, right where you are, to receive them and believe in him. And so if you are ready to do that today, let's just bow in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you in your heart today to mean these words because this is what God says, that when we believe in our hearts that Jesus has died on the cross for us, that we can be saved. So would you pray with me? You can simply say, Dear God, today I believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm placing my faith and trust in Him in Him alone. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and one day taking me to heaven to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Friend, I want to thank you so much today for watching our message and encourage you. If you've prayed today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, please let us know so we can come alongside of you and encourage you, help you take your next step of faith. You can connect with us at our website, heightschurch.org slash connect. You can even leave a comment here on this YouTube page. And we'll be in touch with you because we want to just come alongside of you and help you take that next step of faith. So until next time, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you soon.